to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levane, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen, I had only heard myths of what Doctor Who could be, and I was finally convinced to sit down and watch it, and now I cannot stop, I will not stop, and well... What better episode to talk about watching Doctor Who than the idiot's lantern? And to join me in this very historically rich episode, I needed the help of one of the most historically knowledgeable people I know, and that is Ashley Martin. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I, I was looking forward to having you back on the show. And when I realized uh, th- this was an episode that you had requested, am I, uh, am I incorrect in that assessment? No, that's correct. It's not one of you know the bigger, super well-known fan favorite episodes, but I love it. I love it because of the time period. Um, I love it because of the royal family, because I love royal family and royal history. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's the Doctor and Rose, and they're my favorites. The well, it, when I saw the preview for it after uh, last week's episode, uh, watching Age of Steel, uh, I knew that this was the right episode for you because immediately the the poodle skirts and the the, the outfits and everything, I was like, <laughs> Ashley's going to be perfect for this, and I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, so, as a friendly reminder, dear listener, if you have not seen. The Idiot's Lantern, now would be a great time to pause the podcast and go watch the episode because inevitably I'm going to ask questions of Ashley that will spoil the plot of the episode. So here we go, immediately jumping in. Uh, we're, we, we are once again seeing the doctor land in a time and place that is not where he thinks he is. Of course, the TARDIS always seems to do that. Right. Like, you know, he, he, he gets it like dead on sometimes. And then, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, we're going to go and he, he gets out on this moped, which is hilarious to begin with. You know, <laughs> I, I half expected him to be, you know, like in a motorcycle, like the Fonz uh, with the hair and then instead in that little moped. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we're going to the studio in New York. And a double-decker bus goes by. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... Whoops! This could still be New York. I mean, this looks very New York to me. London in New York, man. <laughs> um, although they, they got the period sort of right. Yeah, he was a couple years off. I think he was shooting for like 56, 57, and it's 1953. <laughs> uh, yeah, like he, he they, they were close. It was close. Uh, closer than sometimes he's yeah, gotten. But uh, <laughs> it, it, is there a specific uh, attraction to this time and place other than the, the, the Queen's inauguration? TARDIS tends to take the doctor where he's needed. It's almost like it knows. Um, But that was, that was the big thing of 1953 was Queen Elizabeth's coronation. Um, You know, she had been queen for over a year when her father died unexpectedly, but they didn't have her coronation for over a year because um, Winston Churchill and all of her 
you know, officials wanted to make sure that she was ready, you know, Mm. to take on the job because she was so young and so unexpectedly became the queen that they wanted her to be prepared. Mm. Well, that, that, all of that makes sense. The idea that the TARDIS would uh, sort of choose where to take the doctor based on need uh, and that, you know, that, that, to, to take him to this historic place. Um, now, other than the name The Wire, I don't know that we ever got a name of the... Do we know anything about these this alien race? Yeah, they never say the species name. They just say The Wire. So it, immediately, the lady on the TV seem to be, you know, uh, for, for the listeners, if you, um, if you weren't aware back in the day, television actually ended. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't just keep going and going and going, and you could watch it at all hours of the night at a certain point in the day. Um, when I was growing up in Argentina, I think it was like close to midnight, um, some television stations uh, dropped out earlier than that, but it was basically they they finished their broadcast day and then they said, you know, this is the end of our broadcast day. And usually they played some sort of patriotic music, the anthem or something. And that's it. Then there was snow. Uh, so is there a significance to the lady that uh, sort of becomes the face of this alien race? Just to represent, you know, the tip, 1950s perfect hostess uh, that was on a lot of those shows. Mm. But typically, I was reading that when she says, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin, was the opening for a BBC radio show called With Mother, which started in 1950 and ran all the way through 1982. So there is a significance to that that the Brits would know that wouldn't have necessarily translated. I, I, I figured yes. just watching this episode that there was going to be a lot of that, uh, a lot of references to uh, things that may not have fully you know, made its way to the U.S. Uh, as far as customs or even um, pop culture references. Uh, and certainly I, I am the worst uh, in the sense that I am not an Anglophile. I don't uh, know much about the the monarchy and all of that. Uh, you know, Argentina's history with uh, England being fraught with uh, arguments. Uh, so uh, most of them around <laughs> soccer, fortunately. You know, there was only just the Falkland Wars. You know, just a little... Little scrimmage, um, so I, I really am. It's a little thing, <laughs> right? Uh, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very much a novice when it comes to all of the British history. So uh, I find it uh, uh, quite a bit interesting uh, how it gets woven into uh, the fabric of some of these episodes. Um, but the the idea that uh, the the doctor lands in this place and immediately, uh, as as he is always wont to do, uh, jumps into action and says, "All right, well, we're just going to investigate what's going on because clearly there's something going on," uh, and that they they enter this person's house, uh, this family's house, uh, and he you know he's sussing him up almost immediately. 
uh, you hear him uh, mm -hmm. at the door saying, okay, this is the, this kind of house, this kind of thing. Uh, so you are clearly uh, very much a person that is for gun and country. So, ah, uh, and shows him the psychic paper to represent, you know, he's some sort of agent of the queen. Yeah, representing queen and country. <laughs> right. Is that something that happened back in that day? Is it, do you know? I never heard anything about <laughs> inspections, you know, from agents of the queen. I think he just thought that that was something that would be believable to mm. this guy to allow him into their house. And the, the, the reason they get drawn there, I'm assuming, is the, the doctor being uh, as knowledgeable as he is. Uh, there is clearly something going on in the house uh, and that grand uh, seems to have some sort of problem. Uh, and as we're exposed to it, is that uh, her face is literally sucked off her face <laughs> uh, because of the television. Uh, no, that was the first time I watched this episode. It was so sad just to see that. It, it, it is. Um, it was very reminiscent. Um, there, there was a, an episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, which was uh, replicated on the mm -hmm. uh, on the big screen when they released the the Twilight Zone movie, which was basically an anthology of uh, a couple of the the most famous uh, Twilight Zone episodes, sort of redone. Um, in which there there's a character in in the Twilight Zone show where their mouth is taken away, um, and you know it's not mm -hmm. quite the entire face. But it, it felt very much like that because, it, especially in that episode of the Twilight Zone, um, it is all about this kid, uh, and he's holding all these people hostage in this house, and they all play a very intricate relationship with what is on television because this kid sort of manifests whatever he wants, and so the, they're all sort of obliged to watch whatever's on the television. Uh, so the, this particular episode of Doctor Who uh, seemed very reminiscent of that. Uh, and the moment we're exposed to that, I was like, okay, well, that's just one step further from, you know, taking somebody's mouth. You're just going to take their whole face. Um, but <laughs> I, I love the idea that the doctor can take then his uh, sonic screwdriver and somehow scan the the brain of the you know we i've never really asked a lot of in-depth questions because basically the sonic screwdriver just seems to be whatever tool he needs for what makes sense uh for the for the problem but th that that's a pretty handy thing to be like to be able to scan somebody's biology yeah, the sonic screwdriver seems to be able to be used for any purpose, whatever he needs, uh, except it can't be used on wood and um, it can't get through a deadlock seal. A deadlock seal? Yes. Interesting. You'll see. You'll hear some of that later. Interesting. Uh, I mean, it, this is not the first time that the doctor has used the the sonic screwdriver to sort of do a, a medical scan. We saw that in uh, in the episode um, where he he was in London uh, studying the the affected humans that had the the, the face masks. They are are you my mummy uh, mm -hmm. humans? Uh, so 
I, 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 we've seen this kind of behavior from the doctor before, but he gets, uh, you know, he gets very quickly, he gets to the crux of what's happening um, in, in the, the charming way that, you know, it is now sort of uh, something I expect from David Tennant, that sort of childlike, like, oh, that's very good. Oh, oh, that's very, very good. You know, when, <laughs> when he figures out how they're hiding uh, people and, and how, you know, they're able to disappear seemingly uh, in a very Indiana Jones-esque moment. Uh, you know, if you remember uh, <laughs> when they take Brody uh, and then immediately like the truck folds up and you're like, oh, wow, yeah. that it wasn't a storefront at all. It was just a truck waiting for, <laughs> uh, you know, so th- again, uh, connecting things to other pop culture movies that I am aware of. Uh, but, you know, David Tennant's reaction to that was uh, was fantastic. Um, the 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 idea that these people are being wiped clean though uh, is it I, the 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 creature whatever it is the wire kept saying hungry uh mm-hmm. was was she was it um do you think the, the she was sucking in knowledge well, the doctor touches on it a little bit. He says that uh, the wire's feeding off of the electrical activity of the brain. And while she's doing that, she kind of, you know, sucks in all the, the personality and what makes those people who they are. And that's kind of his explanation for why the face itself disappears. Yeah, because uh, he's able to somehow find the signal and then sort of retrofit it. Uh, and in the the store uh, with the, you know, as is always the want, uh, the bad guy always finds a henchman to help them carry out their nefarious deeds. <laughs> uh, and in this case, you know, the the TV repairman becomes the bad guy, the henchman. Uh, and the doctor is able to sort of mess around with the feed. And we see all the faces on the television, which I thought was a, a very cool moment uh, where he's yeah. able to look on the faces uh, of all the people that this entity has fed on, uh, including Rose. Um, do you think that uh, we see her sort of uh, calling out for the doctor had he turned up the volume on that TV, do you think we could have heard her? Oh, that's a good thought. Maybe we could have. I don't know. Or maybe she's, you know, they're all trapped in some kind of weird, uh, I don't know. That's a good point. I really like that idea. That would have been even more heartbreaking if we could have heard <laughs> her calling for him. Well, and that's, uh, you know, everything in the episode sort of crescendos to that moment where, um, these entities, these police officers, these uh, almost Gestapo-like police officers that have been taking all these people quietly and quickly uh, to sort of brush them aside, you know, uh, because it's it's the unknown, uh, which I love the idea that, you know, the unknown mm-hmm. uh, and the scary uh, needs to be stomped out and uh, and be kept quiet because we have to be normal. 
you know, that, that, that seems to be a very mm-hmm. British thing. You know, it's like we, we have to maintain a semblance of, you know, even the, the, the man who is clearly uh, abusive to his wife and son is, you know, trying to keep up the semblance, this appearance. Uh, so it's all about the appearance uh, of propriety. But when we see Rose be brought into this, this place, the doctor gets really pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that I've seen him that angered. That angry. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he goes, uh, it becomes an absolute, I mean, not, not that he wasn't interested in helping, but at that point, you know, he, he says it, you know, there's nothing, there's no power in the universe that can stop me from, from doing what I need to do, uh, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's in, it's, it's an interesting moment to see how much the relationship has come to mean that the doctor would so vehemently decide, you know, I am going to announce that I will use every ounce of my power, which at this point we've seen is considerable uh, to, to basically avenge whatever's happened to my friend. Uh, and the amount of restraint he shows when he goes back to the house and the, and the gentleman is, uh, is a little standoffish uh, was interesting because I could see the anger lingering behind his eyes, but he genuinely just, he confronts mm-hmm. him and he lets the guy sort of go because he knows he's unimportant. He knows what he needs is the son, because the son's really the one that probably understood better what was happening. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about David Tennant, is he's such an incredible actor. You know, he can play that fun and joyful part of the doctor, loving, oh, well, you know, we're not going to see Elvis, but hey, we're here for the coronation and this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then he can just turn so quickly. And he's so good at that. And you'll see that throughout his run of the doctor. Very, very fun loving. And then in a turn of a dime, he completely changes. And usually it is in a situation like this where it's rooted around someone that he cares about. And with Rose, I mean, it's just, you know, it's yeah, very I mean, intense. Like we, we saw it with, um, with Eccleston a little bit that there was clearly a, a connection between the two uh, and that he would, he would go through uh, quite a bit to, to help and assist and save Rose. Um, but the, in Eccleston, there was a doctor that seemed to genuinely care about everybody in the universe and, and every situation was dire because it was important uh, to the grand scheme of things. Whereas so far, at least with Tennant, um, everything seems to be very much about I'm doing the right thing for the universe because I'm saving it from whatever the, the menace or threat is. Um, but the reasons seem to be deeply personal to him. It's about keeping the people that are close to him safe or keeping them from uh, being, you know, involved, uh, you know, in, in the case of uh, Age of Steel and Rise of Cybermen, uh, keeping them, uh, you know, rose from getting involved in this 
thing that is completely out of his control because it's on a different plane of existence. Uh, you know, it, it, it all seems to come back to the personal with, with this incarnation of the doctor. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And you'll see that going forward. He's very much about his uh, relationships and friendships with his companions and all the other folks that join him. I feel like if Eccleston had continued, you would have seen a little bit more of that. Um, but it's something that's also very present in these Russell T Davies years is the relationships are so important. And I think that's one of the things that made the show such a success, especially in those early years was all the personal relationships and all the emotional content was just really present there. Yeah. It, 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 it made it, it makes these, uh, you know, monster of the week episodes, uh, often in sci-fi, you, you get episodes that are quote unquote fillers because you can't, most stories mm -hmm. don't necessarily hold, uh, enough interest, uh, to carry, you know, 12 hours or eight hours of, uh, full on story, you know, that's, uh, a movie, a normal movie is in only a, a two hour thing. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, to carry out a story that takes a full eight hours to, um, to come forth is rare. Um, I mean, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of that on, uh, you know, streaming shows that uh, are specifically made for streaming platforms like Netflix and, uh, and whatnot. But, Generally speaking, in, in episodic television like this, you get these, you know, monster of the week episodes that are just kind of filler episodes, usually uh, nothing more than just uh, an opportunity mm -hmm. to keep the show going um, while there's a promise that the story, the greater story, uh, which this series seems to be focused around Torchwood, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. This week's episode is just going to be a little fun romp with you know whatever's happening um but these person the the because they're so personal uh it, it's still i i find I, I find some of these episodes uh even more interesting than sometimes the overarching story you know uh i think uh you were on with me uh last series when we talked about father's day and that was you know a, mm -hmm. a monster of the week episode but it was uh, it was hugely emotional and very personal, uh, and you know this this episode I, I found you know very compelling uh, and very interesting, even though there was clearly no you know greater connection to uh, the greater story I guess that we're we're trying to tell, um, and you know I think that's also a testament to uh, Russell T Davies's sort of layout for these characters that he imbues them with such interesting characteristics that when they have these personal moments, when they're allowed to have these personal moments, uh, what we get is much more than just filler. <clears throat> we get, you know, a genuine moment uh, of connection that fills out this character's existence uh and motives like i said you know ev everything about this doctor feels very much like his motives are driven by his emotional connection to uh to rose and these other characters so it it was definitely a fun um 
It, it, this episode was definitely one of the more fun uh, Monster of the Week episodes. And like I said, very reminiscent of uh, other pop culture that I was aware of, um, but also shows that the relationship between Rose and the Doctor has continued to deepen. Uh, and he is very much at this point, he is very much... Uh, I, I I don't want to say enamored, <laughs> but he is certainly very much connected to Rose. Uh, and that connection is very, very apparent. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the L word, I don't want to bring it up, but it's very much going to be, um, I don't want to say an issue, but mm-hmm. um, something that, that <laughs> happened, something that's, going to be an uh, an issue yeah, but we I, all know we all know i mean yeah. you can you can tell yeah it, it's definitely it, it it's showing itself you know uh like i said the you see the flash of anger the you know the moment where he's just he uh it's it's hard to describe without being able to physically represent it but uh when when he sees rose he sort of inflates himself in front of these other humans that are there mm-hmm. uh to basically say you know i am now king kong uh and whatever is happening here mm-hmm. will end because i decree it uh, and, you know, particularly uh, David Tennant has now said that a couple of times, you know, I am, uh, you can't take this to a higher authority. I am the highest authority. You know, uh, he, mm-hmm. he's made that abundantly obvious that, you know, he wields this immense amount of power. But in this particular episode, you know, that that threat doesn't come out of the possible threat that is being exhibited towards humanity. It comes out of the fact that it specifically attacked Rose, that it, 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 whatever it did, it did to the person that he cares most about at this point. Yes. That's like the one thing right now that can upset him the most. Mm. Um, And it's something I thought was funny um, you know, what, at the cons, when the actors do panels, they always get asked, you know, what was your favorite episode? Who's your favorite doctor? It's the same questions over mm-hmm. and over again. But when they get asked, what was the funniest thing that ever happened on set? Billy and David have both said that it's in this episode when he is staring at her without her face. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were filming it, she just had all these like Sharpie drawn uh, X's on her face, mm-hmm. little X's. And he could not stop laughing and it made her <laughs> start laughing. And they said that was probably the worst laughing fit that they ever had on the show. Mm. And so I find it even more power. He's so convincing in that scene. But inside, he's just busting up laughing. Sure. Well, and and I, I, in a little bit, I guess it it would explain because there is a a a quiet moment where you see his body reacting to it, um, which, in the way Mm -hmm. he plays it off, it comes off as anger welling up inside him. Uh, But that could also 
you know, easily be uh, the <laughs> the the laughter that he's trying to quell, you know, causing the the shoulders to shrug and shake a little bit and his body to respond. Um, but that's that that's the second time that uh, you've shared a, a bit about the the doctor and Rose uh, laughing at each other, you know, the the, the <laughs> mustache that he painted on his face uh, to make uh, Sarah and Rose laugh uh, in the, <laughs> the school reunion episode uh, and now this. Um, so I, I don't really have a whole lot of other uh, questions because this very much seemed to be a self-contained episode. Um, so what what did I miss? I'm sure I missed a lot. And I'm sure that you are going to now school me in all the things that I missed from this episode. <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything that you really missed. I just, I have a lot of fun facts on this episode. So let's, here goes my nerd them. moment. Um so Tommy, the wonderful character of Tommy, um, at the end of the episode, he's wearing a brown jacket, a blue shirt, and a white undershirt. And that was intentional because they wanted him to resemble the doctor mm. to show how important he was and how clever he was to the story. Um, and the writer of this episode, Mark Gatiss, you'll see his name a lot. He's a frequent writer. Um, he actually is going to be in uh, two episodes further down the line. So you'll see him a lot. Um, but he said in the original script, um, Tommy was gay and he had a crush on the doctor. Mm. And so I think the only semblance of that that's left is when those folks are over to watch the coronation and that lady makes that comment, mm -hmm. um, to the parents. Oh, it's so awful. Um, but yeah, sweet little Tommy. I love him. Uh, oh, okay, I have some more fun facts. <laughs> sure. Um, Margaret John, the sweet woman who played the grandmother, was in an episode with the second doctor back in 68. So she holds one of the records for the longest gap between appearances on the show. Wow, that's cool. Was she playing the same character? Uh, no, no, a different character. Oh, okay. But still, and she, apparently she brought pictures to the set, was showing everybody. She was very excited to be back on the show. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I, I was listening to the commentary the other day, and David Tennant said the block where they filmed the, this episode um, which you'll also recognize in an upcoming episode this season called Fear Her. Um, one of the local residents came out while they were filming who had lived on that block her whole life. And she had pictures from 1953. And that mm. block was done up with a coronation party very, very similar to the way that the production crew had set it up. With that long table in the middle of the road. Oh, I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. is cool. So that was a real a real spot. And to think that real coronation celebrations in there, that, I thought that was really neat. That um, is very neat. That is a, that's a great homage. I love history, stuff like that. I'm such a nerd, but I love it. Um, the The title of the, of the episode, The Idiot's Lantern, is from one of the staff writers, Chris 
name. Oh, no, excuse me. Gareth Roberts. Um, his father used to call the television the Idiot's Lantern. Oh, nice. That's, so that's where that title came from. Well, I, um, once the episode kind of started, I, I figured that it it had to be a play on, uh, you know, the 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 boob tube or the idiot box, uh, as as it's been referred mm-hmm. to in the past. Um, so it, that that's great that that's the history of the one of the writers, the father, calling it that. That's amazing. Uh, okay, I have two more facts. Um, <laughs> Ashley's fun facts about Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> The Magpie Electricals, the company that's in this episode, um, Mm -hmm. it's never really openly referenced anymore, but throughout the series, you'll see Magpie Electricals. Um, Mm -hmm. In season three, it's on a TV. Um, In season four, it's on a microphone. So even though Mr. Magpie is gone, apparently Magpie Electricals lives on. Lives on with a fairly large presence. Yeah, apparently. Um, and then the last thing I had, because I'm such a, a royal family fan and nerd about that, um, the man who designed Queen Elizabeth's coronation gown, his name was Norman Hartnell. And he was the second cousin of William Hartnell, the first doctor. Oh, wow. So there's a direct correlation <laughs> between the... The events of this episode and Doctor Who as as it pertains to pop culture. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that we got to meet Queen Victoria a couple weeks ago. And now mm-hmm. we're getting to see her great-great-granddaughter. It's great. <laughs> uh, I wonder if she was amused. <laughs> <laughs> That was the I, I love the relationship really that is de- uh, developing between Rose and and this version of the Doctor, uh, which clearly seems to be uh, much more punny, much more um, uh, friendly, uh, and you know clearly very flirtatious. Uh, but when when they get those moments where they're just sort of joshing each other because they know about what is happening because it's a moment in the past uh, that they're acquainted with. Uh, you know, there, there is a moment of that uh, where Rose sort of picks up when, when they're doing their bit about being, you know, representatives of uh, queen and country. Uh, and she pulls out the fact <laughs> about the union Jack. Uh, and then she like whispers to the doctor. It's like, Mom went out with a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like I, I love those moments that have developed um between the doctor and Rose and and how uh, just how wonderful it is to see uh that they have this kind of relationship and to basically, you know, it, it kind of shows how comfortable Rose now is with this whole idea of time travel and, uh, and sort of hopping around the universe, um, and, and reliant on the fact that she knows the doctor is smart enough and, uh, powerful enough to pretty much be able to get them out of just about any bind that they've come across so far. Yeah. They're very, very comfortable together. Um, I mean, you can just see their bond is incredible. This episode is such a good example of that because 
you know, like you said, it's not a big, huge sci-fi episode. It's more of the domestic approach, as the doctor says. Yes. But they are just so good together. And they're so happy together. They're so comfortable. They do so well off of each other. I mean, this is, this is why this is my favorite season, because it's the two of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're such good friends in real life, and I think that comes across on screen because they're so good together. Yeah, they're, they're, there's definitely a spark and, and just a wonderful uh, relationship. Uh, and it's also, you know, one of those rare episodes where uh, there's no real carnage. You know, the doctor is able to restore all of these people. Everybody, everybody lives, Rose. Everybody lives. And this is one of those episodes where everybody, everybody lives. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that we don't often get those. Uh, you did. know, last week in Age of Steel, we saw how, uh, at least in that version of the universe, uh, you know, the, the the version of Mickey in that universe uh, gets taken out. The version of uh, Rose's mom gets taken out. Uh, so, you know, there was quite a bit of carnage. So it was nice to see an episode in which everybody gets to live. Everybody survives that. You know, the, those episodes seem to be rare. So, hey, let's celebrate it. <laughs> and the queen has her queen all as well. Exactly. The, the, the queen does get coordinated. Uh, and ultimately, The Wire, the, the, the big bad for this episode, uh, gets trapped in a tape. Once again, the doctor inventing things before they're <laughs> actually invented. Uh, you know, in, in the girl in the the fireplace, he invents um, the banana daiquiri. The banana daiquiri. Uh, <laughs> bananas are good. Uh, we've established that. <laughs> always bring bananas to a party. Always bring bananas to a party. Uh, and uh, this week, he in, invades the invents the uh, the videotape, uh, specifically the Betamax or Betamax, well, as he, he says it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the superior technology that never actually took off. Oh sure. <laughs> uh, so I, I I love how he ultimately he describes the fate of what's going to happen, uh, and uh, very much like the builds it up and builds it yeah, up. Yeah, like the episode you know in, in the the girl in the fireplace. You know he makes up this thing and is like, "What is that?" Well, I didn't want to say magic door, uh, <laughs> but it's a magic door. Uh, and in this, he basically builds it up and he's like, I'm just going to record over it. And Rose is like, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's got to sound so sciencey and smart. And she's like, no, no, speak human. What are you really going to do? <laughs> and, and I love it because now I'm wondering, what is he going to tape over? You know, what is, is he going to? keep that tape in the TARDIS and does he have a Betamax player in the TARDIS and what it, what will be worthy of recording and, and wiping out the, this being out of existence? Uh, what will be the thing that he records? <laughs> Who knows with the doctor? I mean, he has so much in that TARDIS. He has a swimming pool. There's so much that we don't ever see. I feel like really? that would be great little mini episodes, you know, just, the doctor in the TARDIS when he's not traveling. What is he doing in the TARDIS? <laughs> like a, an MTV Cribs episode about the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we only see little glances, you know, like when uh, when David Tennant is getting his costume in his first episode and you see that one shot, that CG shot of just 
towers Mm -hmm. and towers of clothes. You know, there's just so much we don't see. That would be so cool to investigate. Yeah, that would be, then I I would sign up for that. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this episode again, Ashley. I I love the fun tidbits that you bring uh, and your uh, wealth of historical knowledge uh, always comes in handy. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Excellent. And thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another podcast. Uh, If you want to support the show, please visit us at firsttimelord.com. From there, you can find links to our merch store. Uh, You can also find links to my Patreon page, uh, where I can be found as Daniel Levane. And you can uh, support the show by subscribing there. And uh, there's all sorts of fun tiers and uh, fun little extras that you can get depending on which subscription level you choose. But any support is always greatly appreciated. Uh, So please make sure that if you enjoy the show, you share it with a friend, share it with somebody who loves Doctor Who as much as I am starting to and clearly as much as Ashley does. (laughs) I do love it. (laughs) How can you not? Uh, At this point... Doctor Who is, uh, for me, uh, the the reason I wake up every week uh, and uh, get excited because I get to talk with uh, somebody who loves the show uh, and can share their love for it with me uh, while I get to see something that brings joy into my life. Uh, and that is always a good thing to have. So thanks for listening, and uh, I'm, I'm going to end this episode so that I can go watch some more Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs>